Table Fries is a new podcast hosted by Gene Hopkins, Chief Marketing Officer at Lola.com. Gene has built and led marketing teams, authored top-selling marketing materials, and served on advisory boards all around Greater Boston. With Table Fries, Gene sets out to interview every woman working at Lola.com. Gene will talk about motivation, what makes a good day, and we'll connect the dots between guests in a special way. At Table Fries, there's always room to share. So grab small plates and don't forget the dipping sauce. To find all the new and previous episodes of Table Fries, check out your favorite podcast platforms or visit us at lola.com slash table fries. And don't forget, Gene is building Boston's next great B2B marketing team at lola.com. So be sure to stay updated on new roles at the lola.com careers page. Table Fries, where sharing is caring. Welcome to today's edition of Table Fries. And with me, I have Marina Novakova. Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. Oh, my goodness. That's so great. And you you come from a background, your culture. In- I'm Ukrainian. You're Ukrainian. which Born is, and raised. And you always reference this in many of our conversations that we have. You always talk about what, what happened back then. So why don't you talk a little bit about when you came to the United States? Uh, I came here in 2006 together with my husband. We both just graduated from universities. We both were in our early 20s. And I guess it was just adventurous thing to do. I think uh, being Ukrainian, and uh, we do have a conversation back home about human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And I was scared out of my wits to get to to actually leave the country and do something because of that conversation. And if we didn't have good immigration lawyer, very good people looking out for us back then in 2006, who made this whole process very smooth, very convenient for us, and actually enjoyable experience, I would never stay here. Yeah. <laughs> I would run home. Yeah. But we were welcomed. We both have fun. We both had fun. We made friends. We found jobs, and we found a new life here. Many years later, we bought a house. Uh, our son was born here, so now we have a new home. Yay! So that's that's such an interesting story. You have, and I know because you've worked with a number of people that are here at Lola.com in a variety of different tech companies. So, did you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, Boston is a big, small town. When we just moved here from Pennsylvania in 2009, someone told me that very few first few months in here, I was like, "What is? What's that?" And someone told me, and it was on the back of my mind that Boston is a small, big, small town that everybody knows. And the more years I live here, the more I realize how much that is true. It's so funny too, because you, when you join the company, it's like, I know you, I know you, I know. You. It's amazing. Uh, so. I came to Boston in 2009, it's 2019, so my 10th year in Boston. I can say that I made friends and I made mistakes and there's nothing to hide. And like every person I meet know who I am. So I know you from Bedrock Data and then you were at BevSpot. So uh, I was advisor to Bedrock Data. You were there for three years and I know a bunch of the folks that were there were ex-HubSpotters. Then you went to BevSpot and we were right down the street here on Summer Street and that's how we got Des and we were very lucky to be able to get him but you actually came first. You came, you left BevSpot to come to Lola before. 
so I walked on my morning commute. I often walk from aquarium mm -hmm. to Summer Street. It's a nice walk, even in the winter when it's blowing from the channel. Well, <laughs> it's still a nice walk. Well, compared to the Ukraine, I can imagine, yes. <laughs> well, actually, I, I like to joke that two things in Massachusetts remind me of my home in Ukraine. It's the roads and the weather. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so I embrace the weather. Yeah. I, every time it's like the misty dying, uh, dust small little cold rain that hits you in the face. It's like, just like home. <laughs> just like home. <laughs> uh, so in a, and I was passing the signs uh, uh, with for Lola. Lola. Yep. For Lola. And I was like, hmm, very interesting. So the, uh, the main stylist, Chris Swift, he made this like, you know, he, yeah. he made this unique style. And, and I like good style. I like things that look good. Yeah, and he's play. done a great job with our brand. It's amazing. And you had these posters in the window. It's like, I wonder what it's like to be in Lola. But it was just like, I wonder what it's like. And then my husband, actually, who is also an ex-cop spotter, <laughs> uh, told me, you know that Mike Wolpe just joined Lola? And I know Mike Wolfe from HubSpot. Not like, no, know him, yeah. but I know who he is. Right. He, has an, he, he told me, why don't you give it a try? So I did. I submitted my resume and I got a call and Paul interviewed me. Paul English, yes. Well, he did. Funny. He screened me on the phone. Uh, to my shame, I didn't know who he was because if I knew, I probably would freak out on the oh, phone. Really? That's so the way he conducts the conversation, I didn't feel like I was screened for the job. It was very natural conversation. And it was just very honest and very, even on the phone. Yes. No pressure, no, no nothing. If I knew who he was, I would probably mess it up. <laughs> but it was very, very open, very free conversation. And he said, why don't you come in? And so he wrote me later, why don't you come in, in the office? And then I interviewed him and I got a job. Yeah, he likes to move fast, doesn't he? Paul, Paul likes a start to finish seven day interview to hire type of a situation. And the, the quick turnaround, uh, they asked me what I want uh, from life and from job. I told them what I wanted from right. the life and from the job, and um, they gave it to me. So what is it that you do here at Lola? That would be an exciting thing to be able to tell our listeners. I'm a software engineer. You're a software engineer. Of course you are. And what do you work on? I work on the admin team. Uh, the Lola product has really three faces. Uh, caters to the needs of a corporate traveler. The other face of the product is the person who administers the travel inside of the company. It's the person who is booking for someone or who is looking for financial visibility into corporate travel. And the third face is facing our um, Wombat team. Yeah. Uh, they also need to book travel, to, uh, ch change the arrangements, and it's quite a big piece of the functionality too. So I work on the admin team. We're trying to make things easier and more transparent for the corporate administrator, administrators of the trial. Yeah, that's good. And, and I know because you you typically work down on the lower floor of the office, but you're always upstairs. You're always talking to somebody in sales, either the indirect team or the direct team, or you're talking to the wombats, and you're just trying to solve for a, a number of uh, questions and concerns. Right? It helps me. It's, it's very easy being, in, being an engineer to just get buried in the code, in the technical details. But for me, it Personally, it, it makes easy when I connect to a product, when I actually feel the needs mm -hmm. of the people who use it on a daily basis. Sure. Engineers don't get a lot of human interaction. It's mostly with other humans, uh, with other engineers. Yes. They're still human. Yeah, they are. <laughs> the special kind of human. Yeah, the special kind of human, yes. Uh, but 
this dynamics of the work of the say a support person of or a salesperson is completely different from an engineer dynamic right. and it just freshens my perspective at bedrock for example i practiced when i was stuck on a problem and i just like couldn't figure it out mm -hmm. and i just needed to give it a rest i i had my sales goals go to a salesperson she had a spare um set of headphones for me mm -hmm. without microphone i would just pick it up and just listen to the conversation the to the yeah. calls for 15 minutes it was like a kind of meditation and just like step yeah. back well that's good i mean being able to talk to the customer hearing the voice of the customer it's something that as part of the customer success team we're have a meeting set up uh, in a couple of weeks to kind of review what are the three reasons that the customer chooses Lola, what are the three reasons that they possibly don't choose us, how can we get this data to be able to have this on a quarterly basis, a voice of the customer to be able to help inform the product team so that we can make a better product to be able to fit the needs of our customers. And it's the, the customer experience is all of us, every, everybody in the company. So I admire the fact that you reach out to the customer you try to learn I don't more. I just listen <laughs> you just listen that's okay that's good the fact that you are listening so I have a number of questions that I I like to ask our guests on the show today and we already talked about how you decided to join Lola mm -hmm. oh, when I attributed Lola I came home and Andrew asked me uh, Andrew being my husband asked me so, so how did it go I was like so uh, and I told him these are the people who interviewed me and he's like do you know who he is and I'm like, no. <laughs> so let me Google it for you. And I and I did. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> wow. So when you came in to meet him, were you more intimidated at that point? That was after I met him. Okay. That was after one-on-one -on -one with him, okay. being in the room with him. Oh, cool. It's make, it makes me confident knowing that he's at the helm mm -hmm. of the ship. It makes me confident as a member of the crew mm -hmm. being on the ship. Okay. Because it gives me a sense, okay, Paul knows what he's doing. Yes. He has done it many times. We're probably moving in the right direction. Yeah. And also, I think that the relationship between Mike Volpe and Paul is a really, really good one. They both approach things differently, where uh, Paul is much more of a, you know, get a couple of people, try to complete it quickly and, and do it fast. And Mike is a little bit more on the consensus building side, so it might be a bigger team in terms of getting things done. But they're both right. Um, neither's wrong, it's, and it's a good way to be able to have that kind of relationship to have Mike Volpe be the CEO and have Paul English be a, a co-founder as well as the CTO. It's, an, it's a nice, nice marriage. So why don't we ask you, uh, Marina, is there a single word that might describe you? Oh, God. You can, it can be a Ukrainian word. <laughs> it's a hard one. I'll use Stacy's words. I'm tenacious. Tenacious, yeah. A lot of people here are tenacious. Is that something that you find at Lola? Maybe. That's a very interesting question. I often interview engineers, and there's not a specific quality that I'm looking in an engineer, but maybe I'm looking for a comrade in arms. Right. Because <laughs> it serves you well. Sometimes you just want to give up on a problem, but you, you kind of can't. <laughs> you just have well, you're to... trying to solve for code, right? And yeah. if you have a bug or you have an issue or something, you have to be tenacious in trying to find it. You have to keep pushing. If it like, And if you can't at the moment, just step back, take a deep breath, and keep going because there is no one there to pick it up for right. you. Right. Wow. The problem is not going to solve itself or okay. disappear. Like. <laughs> 
What is tenacious? What is it? What is the word in, in Ukraine? Nastil. What was the last book that you've read? I don't imagine that you've had a lot of times, and with a small son, you probably read a lot of kids' books and that. But have you had the opportunity to read a book for yourself? I actually, well, it's actually my son is two years and eight months old. Being a new parent is a very, very is complex job. Uh, I did not book adult book that I read before this last one was Sheryl Sandberg Lean In. Oh, you did. Okay. Uh, but I just finished reading another one. And because he entered in his quote-unquote terrible too, I was looking for some answers, so I read The Brain Rules for Smart and Happy Babies by, George Medi by John Medina. Uh -huh. I found some answers. You did? Yes. Yeah, the, the twos, I've always found like the terrible twos for me because I have twins, and at the time it wasn't the twos so much, it was the threes where they physically... That with their gross motor skills, they become so incredibly frustrated at not being able to do something. When their personality is bigger than their body. That's very well put. Their personality is and bigger than I don't like body. the term, the terrible too. Yeah. It just, they become from uh, inaudible, moldable babies. They really become little human with, with personalities. With personalities and needs and wants and demands, and they can tell you. And big <laughs> emotions, they just overflow in their <laughs> tiny body. To their little bodies, yeah. I have one daughter that I just remember we were traveling, and she was right around that age, too. And she got out of my arms, and she was on the, the ground in, in the right outside the, the airport, and she was just kicking and screaming and just being a general noisy person. I just stood there next to her, and I think she was overtired, over, you know, just too much input for her. I remember a woman came over because, you know, everybody has to mommy shame, right, at some level. You know, she came over to me. She goes, I'm a nurse. Do you need help? I'm like, no, she's fine. She'll just burn this out. I'm just let, letting her, rather have her do it here than on the airplane, right? And she was perfectly fine. It's just like every kid is different. When you push them too hard, yeah. especially in a like, situation like, like that. Yeah, it was too much for her. It really was. So, I mean, but I didn't really have a choice. I, we were coming back and I had to, we had to get on the plane, but I was much happier having her do that there. And she's on the flight. So, I mean, you know what it's like. Yeah, they're learning new things. They it's crazy. It's so much fun to watch. And I mean, it blows my mind every day. Yeah. The things that they the new words, the things that they're capable of doing, everything. Even the things the things that they start to be capable of doing. Yes. I remember the first time my son expressed an an empathy for another human being. He wow. he he was just two maybe, just slightly mm -hmm. over and it was right before the Thanksgiving last year. And I came home, I picked him up from the daycare. And I felt this nasty cold coming in at oh. me. And you know, when it, the body feels weak, yeah, yeah. it's terrible. I could, I could feel it coming. Uh -huh. And we're standing in the kitchen and I'm trying to cook dinner for him because he's hungry. And, and I realized that I can't stand anymore. <laughs> Oh, I feel so weak that I'm just slowly sliding down on the floor and he's playing his trains on the, on the floor of the kitchen. And I started, I started slowly sliding down and I'm sitting on the floor and then in 10 seconds later, he realizes mommy's sitting on the floor. He lifts his eyes on me, he looks at me and he climbs on my lap and puts his little hand on my head and says, mommy's sad? And I'm starting crying. <laughs>
because my mind exploded. How is this little person? He's stealing diapers. Right, right. He, and he's ex he's expressing an empathy for another human being without any words being said. Right. right it's right. just amazing. Yeah. Uh, that is great. Wouldn't it be great if we could teach everybody to be like that? Is mommy sad, right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes, yeah. Um, so that was good about the book that you read. So one of the questions I like to ask whenever I'm interviewing people, I like to say, how do you know when you've had a good day? What does a good day look like for you? So at the end of the day and you come home or what is it that makes you know that you've had a great day? Well, you know when you go to gym and you work out, and then you leave the gym and your body feels like it's sore. Yeah. <laughs> but you also have this sense of accomplishment that yes. you actually did it. I love when my brain feels like that at the end of the day. Yeah, you feel like a sense of accomplishment when you've achieved something. Yeah. Sense of accomplishment is like a good fatigue. Yes. When my brain feels fatigued in a good way. Right. And, and you can really chalk it up to, like, we, we crossed this bridge, we shipped this code, we did this. And or we solved this. We solved it. We solved it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I, I know exactly how you feel. I, I like to ask that question. So a couple of the previous guests on our show had some individual questions that I like to ask people. What is the one piece of advice you would give someone? Uh, Pretend it's your 18-year-old self. What is the advice that you would give her? It actually comes from sailing. Uh, sailing. Once I took a sailing class here in Boston. Yep. The and community, the community. Stand. Yeah, I think yeah, so. The Charles? Uh, no, it was the other one, the uh, uh, Lewis one, Boston Sailing Center, and we took a night sailing class. Oh, how fun! Yeah, coastal sailing. So we, on Friday night, uh, we motored out of the Boston Harbor uh -huh. and we sailed into the Rock. And we arrived in the evening of the next day. I was at the helm and my sailing instructor. And when you come to Rockport, they have a little protected harbor. Mm -hmm and two piers that come deep into the sea, and they have uh, lighthouses on each of them. Oh, cool. So he told me, just aim for the lighthouses. Aim for them. Aim for them. Just keep your eyes on them. Because right. there's, uh, when you're sailing at night, there's nothing. Right. There's, right. You, it's dark. It's dark. <laughs> yeah. You can't see the water. You cannot see the water. You cannot see the sky. Right. He's just, he told me, just aim for the, for, the, um, for the lights. And that would be the advice. Just aim for the lights. Aim for the lights at all the time. So that's, that's really good, because that's a hard thing to do sometimes. You don't really know exactly where you're going. And navigation, particularly night navigation, is difficult. If it's a cloudy night and you can't see the stars, how are you going to figure out where you are? That's, that's really great advice. Another question we like to ask is, you asked me a couple of weeks ago, how do you know if you want to manage people or stay as an individual contributor? And that was a question that you had, and maybe you could talk a little bit about why that was a question. In engineering, there is this big conversation going on. Mm -hmm. If you're an engineer, you have done it for a certain amount of years, do you want to be a team lead? Do you want to manage people? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to stay an individual contributor? Because what I do like about my job is um, the creative side of it. I get to solve things. I get to create things. Mm -hmm. I get to ship things. Yes. I get to see them in production. Yes. But once you get onto the management side, you can't create as, mu as much. Managing people is interesting in its own way, but I want to stay creative. And I couldn't solve that dilemma for myself. Right. I, I still can't, because I enjoy both parts. Right now, I'm uh, coaching slash mentoring a few new engineers, yeah. and I do enjoy working with them. I do enjoy transferring the knowledge. 
but I also enjoy creating. Sure. So I kind of can't decide where my heart lies. And there's this social pressure. Oh, you know, you'll be engineering for 10 years. Maybe you should move to management. And I was like, what if I don't you want right. to? Well, we, there's no rule, hard and fast rule. I think that it, it's important to uh, differentiate between an individual create, uh, contributor or creative, uh, such as you are, um, being able to be a manager. A manager is an entirely different thing. And being a leader. And so you are being a leader by offering coaching and mentoring to team members that probably need it, right? They need a buddy on the team to say, don't do this, but do this, and here's something that I learned, that sort of thing. But when you're managing people, it's a little bit more of the back office stuff. You're more concerned with budgets. Uh, you're concerned with performance evaluations. You're concerned with how are they doing their job? How are you divvying it up? And for many people, even though it appears that it's more important or uh, a value add, it doesn't necessarily fit into what people are doing. For example, you're a manager in your family, right? You're managing your son, you're managing the household, you're managing your husband. That's managing and taking over for other individuals in an office situation sometimes becomes a little problematic. You know, it's, it can be an emotional It, you're talking about a cultural thing where some people are saying, well, why aren't you a manager? Well, it's not because you don't want to be. You've identified, you just identified that you prefer to be creative. So I wouldn't say that that's something like you just want to stay away from people. You like people. You like to talk to people. You like to be with people. And it's, it's amazing that you have that level of self-awareness to be able to say, I really want to be creative. And if I'm doing this other thing in managing people and their workflow and stuff, I'm not going to have that opportunity. So hats off to you for, for being able to identify that about yourself. I haven't decided. I'm just taking it day by day. Sure. I mean, you know, you're going to have your second baby, and when's the baby due? Uh, June 14th. June, exactly. Flag day. So it's a flag day. In the it United is a flag States. day. It's flag day. Um, It was just kind of a funny question. The worst job. I really don't want to bring it up. That's what mentioned the so when I graduated from university back in Ukraine, I got my degree and I was really looking forward to working as an engineer. Mm -hmm. But the companies back in my hometown wouldn't hire a girl as an engineer. I came to a, a fair. Uh, we had a career fair uh -huh. at the at the end of the my course, and I spoke to several companies and I had excellent grades. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to code. Yeah. One of the, but one of the, the hiring managers told me, like, we're not going to hire you. You're going to get married and start a family in a few months after you start a job because you're graduating from university. We're just not going to invest in you as a new engineer. That was like a slap in the face. That was and that was the first time you heard that? Like your professors didn't say it? Nothing. No, the professors in university, was, it was very amicable atmosphere. Right. We all were equal. You had female and male professors? We actually had a greater ratio of the 
software engineer student girls to boys than in U.S. universities. We had one to three. Wow. So I hear that's higher than the in U.S. Yeah. So that was a cold shower of reality. And well, it was just me. At that time, because I was graduating, I really wanted a job, and like my family wasn't that financially capable. Yeah. And like I really needed a job, so I took a job as a QA engineer, uh-huh. which is a good job. Sure. Finding bugs. Finding bugs. But it wasn't the creative job. Sure. It was the destructional job. Yeah. I had to destroy stuff. <laughs> It was really bugging me yeah, that instead no of... No pun cr- intended. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that instead of creating things, I had to break them. Right. And it wasn't what I wanted. And it was after this cold shower. It was daunting on me. And that's when you probably came to the United States. That was one of the things that made my decision to stay here. We like to talk about our values here at Lola. We have a lot of values and, and different people have different Favorites, uh, we have the Lola Pack, which is we work as a team, customer core that our customers are number one, uh, humble learner, you mentioned you like humble learner a lot, and wicked loving, which is like the Boston focus on it. So w- which one of the values is the most important? They all are good. Like yes. people who put them together really put a good thought. It's really hard to choose. I would say the Lola Pack, when I interviewed for a job here in Lola, one of the engineers asked me, so what are you looking for? We have these screens in our interview rooms that move pictures. Oh, yeah, yes. And there was this screen of the snowy terrain that uh-huh. looked like Alaska to yes. me. And I'm looking at it, and I have this visual image of the dog sled oh, okay. on the snow. And I think to myself, I like to think of myself as a member of the dog pack. Yes. <laughs> when I'm in the middle of the pack, when I can give something, can mm-hmm. pull someone behind me, but yeah. I can. I also have someone in front of me that I can receive the knowledge from. Uh-huh. So that's why I like, that's why I like to think of myself as a pack animal. <laughs> I did a rod, right? So <laughs> it was really great to have you on today's episode, Marina. Really appreciate it a lot. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. You've been listening to Table Fries with host Gene Hopkins from Lola.com on the Funnel Radio Network. Be sure to subscribe on TableFries.com. Table Fries is brought to you by Lola.com. Super simple corporate travel software from the travel innovators who brought you Kayak. Whether you want better visibility into travel spend, help managing your corporate travel program, or 24-7 human-powered support while you're on the road, Lola.com is the perfect solution. Lola.com, a better way to travel for business.